turn in our Bibles to Ecclesiastes as we continue our study. We're looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 7 through 10. We've reached so, that point with our reference. I want you to listen to this song. See if you can pick it out. Okay, what is the name of that song? Huh? Not the Beatles. What is it? Enjoy Yourself by who? Guy Lombardo. Now, some of you may have remembered that back in the 30s. Do you, y'all, y'all remember that? Okay, I don't thank anybody. <laughs> but this song, you'd think that he picked it from this, this ver- these verses. Enjoy yourself. We're going to be talking about a good life. How often have you felt like the young girl when you were growing up that went to her father's, I mean her grandfather's farm and was talking to the donkey out there and said, looking at your face, you must have my grandparents' religion. You know, the sad religion because we think, a lot of times we become too legalistic I remember when when I was in the ministry and and I've said I apologize to uh, my boys uh, numerous times but especially my oldest one when I first started out in the ministry I always thought of ourselves in a glass house and I thought that our kids could not make mistakes and if they did we dealt with them seriously because we wanted the people in the church to know that we took it seriously but a lot of times I look back and things that were going on in school I probably deprived them I'm I'm not saying them choosing that over church I'm just saying we deprived them of growing up the way that they should have and enjoying life the way that they should have and we can get messed up with that We think that we can enjoy things, and this is not what 
the Bible teaches us here. I mean, hasn't the Lord sanctified everything for us? If that is good, you know. And uh, didn't he create this world? And he said, it's good. Now, man's made it bad, hadn't he? Sin came into the world, and man's made it bad. So uh, it's corrupted these things. So a lot of things that uh, can be good, we've corrupted. And that's why we're to enjoy the things that God has blessed us with the right way. And we'll talk about some of them in, in just a few moments. He says, go, eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart. For God has already, and you need to underline that, has already approved what you do. If you're doing it for the right reasons, and if you're not going against Scripture, He has already approved it. Always be clothed in white. Always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun all your meaningless days for this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun whatever your hands find to do do it with all your might oh if the workforce only could read that and get that down today for in the realm of the dead where you are going there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom in Sheol that's death referring to death here to which you are going so what is he saying here he's saying from the we've been looking at Ecclesiastes and from the opening words the preacher has in the book of Ecclesiastes has been telling us mostly about troubles of life hasn't he? and the pains and and our existence under the sun has been described as vanity but in these verses, along with some other verses, this theme has been mentioned. And, but very rarely and, and uh, uh, sporadically. He speaks to pleasure where he has mostly been talking about pain or vanity. Some, you know, some of the places that he talked about this was in, in chapter 2 where he talks about eating and drinking. You know, we should, we could, we should enjoy ourselves. Sit down with somebody. Have coffee with somebody. Enjoy a meal with other people. Enjoy. I mean, you can even abuse that by overeating, can't you? But uh, do it in the right way. And then uh, he talks about, in the middle of chapter 3, uh, he talks about joyfully doing good as long as you live. In other words, do that which is good. You know, touch someone's life with the life that you're, you're living and, and let them know that you're enjoying life. And in chapter 5, he explains how good and fitting it is for us to find enjoyment in our work. In other words, work as unto the Lord, as Paul says. And in chapter 8, he commends joy as a lifestyle. He says, let it be joy, joy that comes from God. People see you and look at you, and if we give off the impression that Christianity is always legalistic and and not any fun and we can't enjoy life then says people don't want that let them know that you're enjoying your life with the Lord and that it's not something that's a ritual where you 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 dread it every day oh I enjoy my Bible study I enjoyed it so much today 
Sometimes I do struggle with it, but today it was just special to me how God spoke to me. Share with people about it. Share with them what God is doing. How you've, you know, you've just been experiencing pain and difficulty maybe and how God just blessed your heart and lifted you up. And so he talks about this. And then here, of course, in, in chapter um, 9, he, he speaks of it once again. And so uh, we must understand that this passage, along with the other passages I mentioned, are not passages that, where the preacher is trying to contradict what he's been saying in Ecclesiastes under the sun. What he's doing is he's looking at this passage and interpreting it not as sarcastic or an endorsement for some kind of hedonistic lifestyle, but an enjoyment of life that God has given us and blessed us with. So there are at least two reasons why we should interpret it that way and not hedonistically or, uh, or sarcastically him, him presenting something that way. And first of all, we've got to take this passage seriously as a statement to view life with a balanced perspective. There are going to be times when there's pain that comes along. There are going to be times when we just don't understand life. We don't understand why things come about. We talked about that last week. You know, I just don't understand it. And you may not ever understand it this side of heaven. But then there are times when, man, there's to be laughter. There's to be joy. There's to be enjoyment. Get with your friends. Enjoy it. Speak to them, you know, about the Lord and what he's doing in your life. Sit down over a meal uh, with a whole bunch of friends and, and just enjoy uh, stories that one another tell and where they, uh, what they're doing and what's going on in their life. This is what he's telling us. And, and then he speaks about life as, you know, uh, he says we're to uh, understand that under the sun life is full of vanity and striving after the wind. But having said that, life is also to be enjoyed. We're to enjoy it. So this is the way life was meant to be. For all our difficulty and despair, there are also many things that we are able to enjoy. And when those times come and when we're able to do it, enjoy it. Love I mean, life is bitter and it is sweet. And this is what he's been sharing with us. And if we fail to perceive both of these tastes, we fail to experience life as it actually should be lived. And Ecclesiastes helps us see life in its full complexity. When I got saved, uh, coming out of a life that was lostness for 17 years and going over to the other side, I enjoyed Christianity greatly, but it became for a while legalistic to me because I looked at what I, how I was living and how I should live now, and I began to set rules and, uh, or let other people set rules and regulations, and it became legalistic and not knowing how to grow in the Lord properly and enjoy the Lord. And I, I thought that I couldn't have anything to do with a lot of things that were, were not wrong to do. It's just I didn't want to be around them because my lost friends were around them. And that's, I should have been around them to tell them about the Lord and let them know what God had done in my life. And so we need to be very careful about that. And then uh, Martin Luther said this about the passage. He said, uh, Ecclesiastes is not urging a life of pleasure and luxury 
characteristic of those who do not sense this vanity. You know, of course, life without the Lord is vanity. We know that. For that would be putting oil on the fire. But he is speaking of godly men who sense the vexation and troubles of the world. It is their downcast hearts that he wants to encourage. And we should encourage one another. We should, you know, make the most of the life that we have here. And he didn't put us here to be unhappy. He put us here to be really fulfilled in the Lord. And that's the only way the fulfillment comes. And so the second thing is to understand and enjoy the preacher's call to joy. God must be the sinner if we're going to do that. God's got to be the sinner. In chapter 2, it's because of these acti- it says because these activities come from the hand of God in verse 24. In chapter 3, it is because these activities are God's gift, it says, to man in verse 13. And then the same is true in chapter 5, where the preacher speaks of God keeping us occupied with joy in our hearts in verse 20. So one thing that comes uh, from the frustration of life with the preacher is that he understands that he doesn't understand everything. And some things, uh, sometimes life can be frustrating because of that. And he sees how injustice comes about at times. But that the gift of life comes from the hand of God. So those good things and the way we look at it through God's eyes, may we enjoy it. We see this perhaps most clearly in Ecclesiastes in this chapter. And uh, we, you know, we need to understand that he's not trying to give us a blanket endorsement of everything that people do is all right. That's not what he's saying here. If that was so, then he would be saying that God approves wickedness for some people, pervert things uh, to get happiness out of life. And that's not what he's saying. And uh, we're not to seek uh, satisfaction illegitimately. The preacher is letting his readers know that life's enjoyments are not guilty pleasures, but godly pleasures. At least they ought to be, he says. And so a merry heart has God's approval. So the first thing is the things of life are to be enjoyed that God gives us. These things in verse 8, always, you know, uh, in verses 7 and 8, he, uh, he tells us, Go then, eat your bread in happiness and drink your wine with a cheerful heart, for God has already approved your works. Let your clothes be white and all. Uh, all the time and let not all be lacking on your head so Solomon tells us that instead of allowing grief to consume one's life which he's been talking about that all along and and how depressing things can be in life and boy you read it and, and you can get discouraged at times but he, he's saying hey don't let that Really, I'm, I'm telling you this, I do have trouble with these things. I don't understand life. I see where man has, you know, has been mistreated by others. Uh, but don't let that consume your life because God does give us this life to enjoy. Whatever remains of the unexplained mystery in lives must not prevent us from enjoying life. And Psalms tells us this is a day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. We should get up every day and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. 
Now, it doesn't mean that we'll understand everything that happens that day, does it? Doesn't doesn't mean that that we won't, uh, I mean, we'll be exempt, exempt from pain, no. But with that, we must realize that God is doing something and, and move on and, that's, uh, and, and enjoy the things that we see that we can really enjoy, like times with others and, and fellowshipping and, and visiting places and going on vacation and doing different things like that, serving in, in the house of the Lord and um, being blessed by that, whatever it might be. In verse 7, of Psalm, he says, or in this chapter, he says, go, eat your food, with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart for God has already approved what you do. It's okay for a believer to enjoy life. Some believers don't think so, but it is. God created the world for us to enjoy. Howard Hendricks, a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, once said, most Christians' faces would make a great cover for the book of Lamentations. And so, you know, uh, that it can so easily overtake us, can it? Um, too often, Christians equate fun with sin and misery with righteousness. And, uh, you know, that's not so. I mean, there's a right way to have fun. There's a right way to enjoy life. My friend in, uh, that I grew up with in Rome, I love to get with him, and we talk all the time, and we just laugh about what went on in the past, you know, in us growing up. But it is a joy looking back and seeing that, you know, like I've shared with you before, they were dead poor. They didn't have things to eat sometimes. He would come over to our house to eat uh, because their, their family just suffered. And we didn't have a whole lot, but we did have some. And he, he used to uh, enjoy it. But he said, you know, we did not know that we were poor. We didn't see all, we just enjoyed life. And that's the way uh, the, you know, the, um, the writer of um, Ecclesiastes uh, is, really is what he's saying here. Uh, he's, uh, in Psalm 1611, we read, in God's presence is fullness of joy. In God's right hand, there are pleasures forever. Now, do you know what the word Eden means? In the Hebrew word, uh, the word stands for delight. And so God gave trees that were a delight, weren't they? They were good for food and a delight to the eyes. And he gave a woman to man and a man to woman and said it was good. It was wonderful. And he gave all these animals. And he gave all these fish. And even after sin came into the world, he gave those fish for us to enjoy to catch if we can catch them amen I mean it's fun going out and fishing so enjoy it yeah <laughs> always be clothed in white he says and always anoint your head with oil now symbolically speaking you can say uh, in what you enjoy make sure that it's uh, pure and and uh, anoint your head with oil that the Holy Spirit is leading you but uh, in context is is uh, the immediate context, the white garments were the dress-up clothes. He's talking about enjoying life. And many fest, uh, festivals uh, occurred where they were adorned with, with robes of white to wear. And, uh, and the, uh, the anointing of the head it was, uh, with oil was a sweet-smelling oil. 
Even putting on your best smelling perfume really is what he's saying for the occasion. So anoint your head with oil. This meant pouring out something richly scented like a cologne on yourself. I mean, you wanted to smell good before other people and when you went to these uh, festivals. Um, the oil of gladness and uh, mentioned in Psalm 45.7. And this was an important part of getting ready for a celebration. When you go out, you don't only go, uh, you want, you don't only go to, to look nice, but you want to smell nice also. And so the preacher is telling us to prepare for a party. It's getting ready for a nice evening out. I mean, get dressed up for a change. Go out to some nice place, he says. Eat. Enjoy it. Enjoy the food together, the fellowship together, all of this. Go to a wedding, you know, get all dressed up. Be, uh, you know, enjoy the uh, festivity there. Uh, enjoy all of this. And, and, and when we go to these places, what do we think about? Well, we think about what God has provided us with. We think about at a wedding, the, the great wedding that we're going to, uh, to experience uh, together with the Lord one day, you know, and being with him and the wedding feast. And, uh, you know, as you're, you're eating the, the, at the feast afterwards, you can think about that and you can think about, oh, wow, uh, this is what uh, the Lord meant to enjoy. You know, one day we're going to have the ultimate enjoyment with him. And then we should enjoy in Ecclesiastes 9.9, 9, we, we should enjoy our family. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all the fleeting days. For this is your lot in life and your toilsome labor under the sun. Preacher now invites us to enjoy life with the wife whom you love. In other words, enjoy your wife. And the same would be for the wife. Not just the husband to enjoy the wife, but the wife to enjoy the husband. And we could, we could carry it on to the children also. And the grandchildren. Oh, it's great to enjoy the grandchildren now because you can spoil them and send them home to, the, uh, to your children who you tried to uh, uh, teach to do the right thing and say, okay, now you see what we're talking about, you know. But no, you enjoy that and enjoy your kids the, uh, the love between the man and the woman is not the only pleasure that, that we can experience in human friendships. I mean, there's a lot of other friendships that we can experience. Like I was talking about calling my friend. I enjoy getting with these guys ever so often. Gary Graves in Rome, you know, and talking with him and, and, and Glenn Klotz and other people and, and uh, seeing what's going on in their life and just talking about things that's been going on and, and the, uh, the work of the Lord and how God's dealing with their life and what, you know, what they've been doing lately and what they've been enjoying. And so, uh, but the primary purpose that the writer in this context is dealing with, though, we know specifically is with the wife. Pay her attention. This means spending time together as friends. Set aside time to do things together. That you both enjoy, not just one. I, you know, I, it doesn't mean that I'm to take my wife just fishing or to play golf or whatever, but to go with her and do things that she likes to do too. So, uh, and and speak terms of affection. You know, uh, get together and enjoy uh, one another, valuing the other person. 
and listen carefully to what each other says. You know, the Bible tells us as husbands we're to love our wives as Christ loved the church, and that means sacrificially. And wives are to submit to their husbands in the sense of being that helpmate to uh, help them to lead uh, in, in the way that will protect them and, and uh, provide for them the way that he should. And, and build them up as, as a godly leader in the home. Love each other and enjoy each other. They go together. It's an intentionally uh, or intentional love and enjoyment of one another. And loving and enjoying one another is really a short-term calling if you think about it because if we think about it compared to eternity it's short and so but the blessing is that we're going to get to be with one another if we're all believers throughout eternity and so that's another thing to rejoice over and to be thankful for and so he says, uh, all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun because that is your portion of life. Since it's short term, enjoy it. And here the preacher does not use the word vanity to mean meaningless. In the context, he's referring to short. In other words, the earthly existence as compared to eternity. And then he says in verses 9, the second part of that in, in uh, verse 10, we're to enjoy our labor. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your fleeting days, for this is your lot in life, and your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom in Sheol in which you are going. So what is he saying? He's saying enjoy your God-given work. It is God-given. Now a lot of people don't think of that that way. But we should. Work is not a curse, is it? It's not a curse. Now the earth has been cursed, but work is not a curse. It's, it's not something that we're forced to do in order to, to stay alive. Work is a God-given blessing. And the modern proverb, though, that we have today says... The spirit is willing, but the flesh is ready for the weekend. You know, that's, that's what it says. And, uh, well, many of us even feel that way at times, but uh, many live that way. And that, though, is not a, a biblical way. We need to look at it as, a, uh, as the way that the Lord would have us approach it. The biblical approach is that work is given to you as a gift from God. So enjoy it. Do it with all your might, he says. Because it's God's gift to you. Wisdom is the ability to see. Planning is the ability to organize. Activity is the ability to initiate, persevere, and accomplish goals. God told Abraham, or excuse me, Adam, to enjoy life and cultivate the garden. And Solomon is not saying to work randomly or to do whatever you want to or you please to do. Solomon is telling us that work is one of the areas that we can enjoy and we should enjoy. Paul tells us something like that. He says, whatever you do, do your work heartily as the, uh, for the Lord rather than for men. In Colossians 3.23. So in, uh, what he's telling us, hard work, being loyal, doing a good job should be what 
characterizes us as Christians when we work. Others should see that in us. And it's not always easy. Even, and, you know, sometimes you won't be working for somebody that you're, uh, you, you know, you enjoy being around. But you can still show that. And if it continues that way and if you're taking advantage of and you can't do it any longer, then maybe the Lord might be leading you to someplace else. He may even be leading you to do something else. Your talents may be something else. You may be unhappy doing that and you may feel like there's another area of your life that you need to work on. There's other talents that you need to be expanding on. And so <clears throat> he says, do your work well and create something worthwhile with your life. And then, you know, I remember when um, uh, a graduate of Dallas shared his personal testimony about work. And he talked about his first job. And he was in college and he worked the uh, register at a convenience store. And he said he looked around the store and he asked what he could do to be the best employee for the glory of God there. So he committed to turn the store into the cleanest convenience store in the entire Western Hemisphere. And he would remove the uh, goods from the shelves and dust them on a regular basis. And he would reorganize them in the store all the time in a neatly and orderly way. And he only was making a mere dollar and 40 cents an hour and he's younger than I am uh, he graduated after me but he knew that he was really doing the work for God and when he graduated from school the owner tried everything he could to keep him there and the student uh, thought that the owner was even going to uh, uh, adopt him as his son uh, if he let him and so he moved on that summer though and he took a job in Waco Texas uh, for uh, aluminum company he was a seal maker and uh, he took a big sheet of aluminum and made seals for the tops of the windows and he committed himself to being the greatest seal cutter that ever lived he arranged his seals uh, in the assembly line cart so that they were perfectly symmetrical he talked about them being uh, things of beauty and boy, he, he made sure that they were clean. He cleaned his work area and polished his machine when he wasn't cutting. He took an air jet uh, and blew away all the dust and metal filings around it. And whenever a prospective investor visited the plant, guess where they brought him? To his area. And uh, by this guy's seal machine, People would come by and be so amazed. And when he was ready to move on, they tried everything to keep him at his job. But he moved on. And he's pastoring a, a church in Dallas and has been pastoring a church in Dallas for a long time, North Dallas. It doesn't matter whether you're working on assembly line or convenience store or in an office or on some land, farming, whatever it might be. He's telling us and letting us know. And the Bible tells us this. Do the work well before the Lord. That's what he said. Enjoy. Set out like this student did to make the most of it. You also need to work with wisdom when you do that. If you're just working to be successful and wealthy, 
you could be in for a rude awakening. The Puritan writer William Perkins said, we must take heed of two damnable sins. The first is idleness, whereby the duties of our callings are neglected or omitted. The second is slothfulness, whereby they are performed slackly and carelessly. The preacher gives us a remedy for both of these. Whatever we do, do with all our strength. But there are dangers that we need to watch out for. And one that we need to be aware of is the pleasures that people pursue that are usually good within themselves. But the danger comes when the pleasures take the place of God, right? And you want the pleasures more than you do God. Tim Keller said, sin is not just the doing of bad things, but the making of good things into ultimate things. In other words, it becomes ultimate to me. I've got to have it. I've got to do it. I want it no matter what. It's seeking to establish a sense of self by making something else more central to your significance, purpose, and happiness than your relationship to God. And we've got to watch out for that. Anything, even the pleasures of life, whatever we do can become a hindrance if we look at it and approach it the wrong way. The list of good things that we can get that can get in the way of God are endless, aren't they? I mean, new clothes, enjoying them. You know, some people like new clothes. I mean, they 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 got to buy a, a new coat or a new shirt or whatever, uh, new shoes, what what new hat, whatever, all the time. Uh, finer things, and, and that's fine in in getting those things and enjoying those things. But when they become more important to us than God, then that's the problem. You know, finer things of life. Video games even. Uh, video games can become a problem. Cell phones, sports, music, academics even. Hobbies for the weekend, whatever it might be. You could just go on and on and on. The world is full of good things that bring pleasure to life. But were never intended to satisfy the soul, were they? I mean... We can enjoy them, but we better be enjoying them in the right way. Understanding and realizing that God has set this time aside, that he's given us these things, and we enjoy them because he's blessed us with it. When we pursue these things apart from a relationship with God, we end up losing the joy that, that can bring us that fulfillment. We can use the gifts of life for selfish reasons and lose the joy of them. We can also go just the opposite way and deny the gifts that God has given us to enjoy as good by denying ourselves of them. And we talked about that being legalistic, right? You go the opposite way. And so admittedly, there may be some pleasures that some people should deny, and we should. Not as an absolute rule, though, for all that Christians everywhere enjoy. And all of us can be legalistic, and we need to be very careful about it. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 23. In general, this is not the approach that the Bible teaches us to take with the good things of life. 
What it tells us to do instead is to receive pleasure with gratitude, returning our thanks to God. Always remembering that he's the source behind it. One of the best ways for us to keep the good things of life in the proper perspective is to praise the giver for all gifts at all times. That way we're conscious of who has given it to us and what it's to be enjoyed for. The scripture tells us everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving in 1 Timothy 4.4. Elizabeth Barrett wrote, Earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit round it and pluck blackberries. How true? See the gifts that God has given you and then respond with holy praise. This is what Solomon's basically trying to tell us. God, you know, it's him who has given us these things. Enjoy them and praise him for it. Do it today for tomorrow's todays will be gone forever, right? So enjoy today. You can't live today, tomorrow. It's gone. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Here the preacher is not trying to answer some theological question of whether there's life or death, you know, uh, whether there's life after death. He's simply saying that we are all going to die, and when we do, it'll be the end of our work. It's like that song that we played earlier. Enjoy your life today. Enjoy it. Now I want to tell you, I admit that I sin there. I don't take, y'all, some of y'all got, have gotten on to me. I don't take vacations like I should. Ah, and I don't take off. But we should. And it's spoken to me, you know. And it, it, we don't have to just wait for vacations, do we? We can enjoy every week that way. So Jesus told us, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. In other words, time is short. The right kind of enjoyment will prove to be our best preparations for what? Eternity. Because he's going to truly bless us there. Apart from all sin. This is just a taste of what we will see without any sin. So enjoy the things that he has blessed us with. Our earthly uh, uh, pleasures are telling us that we were made for another world. And we should remember that every time we enjoy something here. Every honest day's work brings us one day closer to the eternal rest that we will have. Every good meal is a reminder that we will be invited to the last and best of all banquets. Amen? And we will also, I believe, now I, I can't prove it with Scripture, but the Lord ate when he came back to earth, didn't he? And I believe that I'm going to be able to eat all I want to and not gain an ounce in heaven. Now, I may be wrong in that, but I, I hope so, and I, I look forward to that every time I eat food, you know? And, and it won't be full of calories, but it'll taste great. Every good meal is a reminder that we are invited to that banquet. And then uh, every God-centered party anticipates the heavenly 
celebration that will never end. What a celebration to be with God forever. Every earthly joy is a foretaste of a better life to come in the paradise where God has promised pleasures forever. To be enjoyed to the fullest. That's a neat thing. A lot of pleasures we don't enjoy to the fullest, do we? But we will there. Psalm 16, 11, Thou wilt make known to me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. In thy right hand there are pleasures forever. Do we do that when we enjoy things today? Relate it to the time to come. Let me close with these. If we intend to live that way, then we'll need to do a few things. I mean, there's other things that we can do. But realize that God has given the things of life to us. Realize that they come to us from God. We've been forgiven, and he has already approved them, he said. So don't feel guilty when you enjoy. Have, have you ever felt guilty when, when you got a little bit of sleep during the day? You were tired, and it refreshed you. <laughs> no so, some people do, don't they, honey? Be happy. Second of all, happiness is a state of mind and a conscious decision we must make. It does not come from anything outside ourselves. I'm not talking about circumstances bringing happiness. I'm talking about inside. Be happy from a relationship with the Lord. In all things, please God. This is the third thing. In work, in marriage, in school, in family, in friendships, activities. But in doing this, it requires a commitment to God. In all things, please God. And then last, live your life to its fullest. This includes being thoroughly involved. I mean, living life to its fullest is accomplished only by the power of the Holy Spirit by living it with everything you've got in His grace. Giving it your all. If you're able to go on cruises, enjoy it fully. If you're able to Take a trip, enjoy it, sightseeing the country, what God has created and, and going to the Grand Canyon and different places like that. Enjoy it and see the awesomeness of God in it. If you're able to get with your friends and sit down over just a good conversation, enjoy it. God has given you those friends. Enjoy what you do. Let it be God-centered. And remember through all of it that these are just a taste of the ultimate that is coming one day. Let's bow our heads and pray.